Today is week four, so we are wrapping up uh, today's series or this uh, month's series. Uh, and this series is called When Church Hurts. When Church Hurts. And when Pastor Jimmy and I were, were discussing this sermon series, um, he is a very similar preacher to where I am, and he likes to be real. Uh, and we are the kind of church that likes to preach the Word of God, but we like to do it in a real uh, and practical way so that we can leave here and we can do our best to be better followers of Jesus. Amen? So we've been, uh, we were looking and talking through this series, and man, some of these topics were really, really heavy. If you have not caught some of the earlier uh, sermons in this series, please go back. We both, both churches have uh, YouTube pages. You can go back and watch the series there, watch the sermons there. But first week, we jumped right in and we talked about hypocrisy. We talked about hypocrisy, and these are all topics um, that have led to a lot of pain and a lot of hurt uh, in the lives of believers and in the life, in the life of the church. Uh, we talked about hypocrisy. Then week two, I talked about gossip, and some of y'all have been sending me Skittles um, in the mail and dropping them at my door, and I just want to say praise God to you. Uh, if you did not know what the heck I'm talking about, go back and watch uh, Sermon 2. Last week, uh, Jimmy did an incredible job, and he talked about this tough topic called judgment. And he really dug in deep as to what it means and what we're really called to do when it calls to judging ourselves and judging others. And uh, all week long, I was singing uh, the Nirvana song, Come As You Are. I'm showing my early 90s grunge phase there. Um, and I was a little disappointed last week when Jimmy didn't do his Kurt Cobain impression uh, when he did that song, but nobody wants to hear that apparently. Amen. It's all good. Um, but what a tough, 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 tough topic. This morning, I'm, we're going to make a little bit of a turn as we finish up this series. We're going to kind of turn the corner here, and we're going to talk about what happens after. What happens after You've experienced hurt from the church. What happens after we've gone through this hard time in our lives? Or what happens after we've, we've been uh, gossiped about or, or, or our back has been uh, crossed by a fellow brother or sister in Christ? And, and what happens after? What happens? How do we continue? Here's our question that we're going to look at here this morning. You could even title the sermon this. How do we continue to love the church when it hurts? How do we continue to love the church when it hurts? As a pastor, and Pastor Jimmy can probably amen this as well, but man, I hear the good, bad, and the ugly when it comes to church life. I really do. It's, I have to say it's one of the toughest parts of ministry is kind of carrying that burden of, of struggles and of hurts of people that you're close to. Just this past week, um, I heard, her t I heard a testimony of a woman, and this is not a woman I know personally, uh, and she does share this publicly, so your pastor is not up here gossiping about an experience. Pastor Jimmy was going to get me on that one. She shares this publicly, so I'm not sharing anything new, but I heard a testimony of a woman. Her name was Jackie, who was severely hurt by her church. Uh, and afterwards, she didn't think she would ever be involved in the church again. Here's a brief story of, uh, of her situation. She was a new believer, 
She was excited about uh, receiving the gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. And she found a church and she was jumping in. She was introduced to uh, the discipleship, what it means to walk side by side with someone as we look more and more like Jesus. And she was excited. She, um, she was jumping in. She was getting into small groups. She was attending, taking notes on Sunday morning. And then things started to go downhill. She was introduced or discovered what this term legalism meant. Some of y'all know what that word means here this morning. It's when the church or when members of the church start to hold other members to greater standards than what God even calls them to be held by. She started to experience uh, legalism. She even shared just a little bit of detail of what that means. Uh, She started to be taught that if she were having a conversation with somebody outside the church, that if she talked to that person for more than 30 minutes without mentioning the name of Jesus, that she was in sin, that that was an idle conversation. She began to be taught things like hugging a uh, person of the opposite sex was sin. That's what we call legalism in the church, if you're wondering. But she was being held to different standards than what the Bible actually calls them to be held to. And then there was the big church meeting. The big church meeting. It was revealed that the pastor of her church had been engaged in sexual misconduct and manipulation with several women in the church. It was also revealed in that meeting that that the associate pastor was involved as well. Crushing, right? Not only that, and it just tragedy gets worse and worse, worse and worse, excuse me. It was discovered that both pastors, lead and associate pastor, had been stealing money from the church. Talk about a devastating revelation. Amen? Talk about a spirit-crushing tragedy. The very men who were entrusted with the spiritual care of these people and of this woman weren't living up to the standards that they had burdened everyone else with. This woman was crushed. Jackie was crushed. She was done with church. Would anyone else probably be done with church in the same situation? You don't have to raise your hand here this morning because I know your answer. She was done with church. Now, maybe that's not exactly your story here this morning. We talked about this really in week one that If you've been a follower of Jesus for more than a day, that you've probably experienced some type of church hurt. That may not be your story. Jackie's story is not your story. But again, I think we can all relate a little bit. When you experience hurt or when you experience pain, especially in the church, this is supposed to be the church. It's devastating. It hurts to the core. But again, the question here that we're going to handle this morning is how do we keep going? How do we keep going? How do we continue to love the church when it hurts? And I'm going to steal my thunder a little bit. You're still called to love the church even when it hurts. I want to offer up a few things here this morning that hopefully will bring some help and maybe bring some healing to us as we deal with this. And I have to share with you again, man, I'm in the same boat as all y'all sitting in these seats. I could be sitting in this seats, listening to every single sermon through this series. 
Because I've experienced church hurt, and most pastors have. So let's look at a few things here this morning that I think can help us. My first point is simply this, that if we are to continue, if we are going to continue to love the church when it hurts, first thing is this, that we need to fight to see the church as Christ sees the church. Y'all with me? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna keep prompting you. All right, all right. Here we go. Fight to see the church as Christ sees the church. If you're taking notes here this morning, please underline or highlight that word "fight" because it's gonna be a fight at times. Fight to see the church as Christ sees the church. We're gonna read a couple verses here that explains how Jesus views His church. Ephesians, Ephesians chapter one, verses twenty-two. And 23 says this, and I'm going to kind of run through. We should have them up on the screen here this morning. So go ahead and jot notes down. Ephesians 1, 22 through 23, it says, And he, the Father, Father God, put all things under his feet. This is Jesus, under the Son's feet, and gave him as head over all things to the church. Father the head gave Jesus him head over all things to the church, which is his body. I'm sure you've heard this before if you've been studying the Bible at all or coming to church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27, and we're actually going to hit this one a little bit later as well. It says, now you are the body of Christ. The body of Christ and individually members of it. So if we're going to fight to see the church as Christ sees the church, we need to understand how he sees it. Amen? Amen. Christ sees the church as his body. Christ sees the church as his body. I love this quote from a fellow pastor. He said this, the church being Christ's body is a metaphor communicating our unity with Christ. And not only our unity with the Lord, y'all see where I'm going? Not only our unity with the Lord, but also our unity with each other. That's what he's talking about. That is the metaphor that Christ is putting out. I want to read uh, one more verse here in Acts chapter 9, excuse me, five verses. This may be a similar um, or a familiar uh, verse to you. This is the, about the conversion of Saul, Saul of Tarsus, better known as the Apostle Paul. But I want to I bring this section of Scripture up because I want to show you just how important or just how Christ views his church, how he puts the church on such a high pedestal of honor. It said this in Acts chapter 9, verse 1 through 5. It says, but Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, those are followers of Jesus, that's what they used to call it back at that time, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So 
the Saul here is asking for letters and permission to go out to these other cities and find followers of Jesus so that he can drag them back and put them in prison. Y'all with me? Amen. Where was I? Verse 3. It says, now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Listen, church, Christ looks at the church with great regard, with great respect, with great honor. So much so that when the church is being persecuted, this is the example of Saul here, when the church, when the disciples of Jesus are being persecuted, it was as if Christ himself was being persecuted. Did y'all catch that in that verse? It didn't say... Jesus was being, it said, no, the apostles, the disciples were being persecuted. And Jesus approached Saul and said, because you're persecuting them, it's just as if you are persecuting me, myself, Jesus. Listen, when people have been hurt by the church, we can have the tendency to, to separate the body from the head. Y'all see where I'm going? Who's the body? The church. Who's the head? Christ. When people have been hurt by the church, we have a tendency to separate the body from the head. We can begin to believe that our view and treatment of the church does not need to be the same view or treatment of how we see the head or Christ. If we have an honorable view of Christ, the head, then we must fight to have an honorable view of his church, the body. We must fight to see the church as Christ sees the church. Now, I can stand up here all day and preach that, but that's hard, amen? Can we be real for a minute? When we experience church hurt or when someone in the, in the body, our brother and sister, does us wrong, hurts us deeply, it changes our view, doesn't it? Can we be honest this morning? It changes our view of the church. And what I'm telling you here this morning, that if we are going to continue to love the church as Jesus loves the church, then we need to fight and not allow our emotions to take the forefront. Amen? We need to fight to see the church as Christ sees the church. He doesn't just see the church as his body, but he also sees the church as his bride. Right? Ephesians chapter 5. Let's read this, 25 through 30. Most married couples know this one especially the wives, because they're like husbands, you better lay it down. Y'all with me? Ephesians 5, verse 25 through 30 says this, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, 
having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. You see the view that Christ has for his church. It says, because we are members of his body. Christ holds a high view of his church. And church, even though we experience pain and we experience hurt at times from fellow believers, we need to fight to have the same view of the church that Christ, do, that Christ does. Christ not only sees, again, his church not as the body, but as his bride who he willingly gave up his life for. That's how he sees his church. Second point here this morning, how we can continue to love the church even when it hurts is this, embrace the greater purpose of the church. Embrace the greater purpose of the church. As y'all know here this morning that the church, and when I say church, just for those of you who are joining us, maybe you haven't been in scripture a long time or been in Sunday morning service. When I say the church, I'm talking about the people who are living and breathing in these seats right now and watching online. Amen. I'm not talking about this building, but I'm talking about the people who make up the local church, baptized believers in covenant relationship with each other. The church, listen, the church is the vessel. This is, this is where I might get I'm going to get pumped up a little bit, so y'all need to get pumped up a little bit. You with me? Listen, the church, this is so exciting. The church is the vessel that God chose to use as the means to make himself known. Right? Amen? The church is the vessel that God chose to use to make himself known and to spread the word of his gospel. He chose the church. That is crazy. What is he thinking? Does he not know who we are? <laughs> but he chose the church. He could have done it any way he wanted to. Amen? But he chose the church. He chose a group of imperfect people. He chose a group of sinners saved by grace to carry his message to the uttermost parts of the world. If that's not something you can get behind as a follower of Jesus, I don't know what else I could do, amen? He chose the church. He gave us the great commission. That's there in Matthew chapter 28. And I'm going to read it just so I can remind you of what we're supposed to be doing as followers of Jesus, amen? Matthew 28, 16 through 20 says this. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they were, I need to, I'm getting too excited. I can't even read the scriptures. Hold on. All right. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. 
But some doubted, and Jesus came and said to them, he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So how do we continue to love the church when it hurts? Embrace the greater purpose. Embrace the greater purpose. Listen, I'm just going to share with you here this morning. I can take a lot of stuff. And you know what word you were thinking in your head there. I can take a lot of stuff if I'm for the greater purpose. Amen? I could take a whole lot of junk if I know and I'm embracing and have on the forefront of my mind that there is a greater thing happening here. How do we continue to love the church? Embrace the greater purpose. And I'm going to get to it here in a second, but I want to share with you here this morning right now that you are part of that purpose that you are part of God's plan to spread and to share his love to the uttermost parts of the world. How do we deal with church hurt? Embrace that purpose. Keep that forefront in our minds. This is what we are striving for. People are lost and going to a real place called hell without Jesus. Just got real for a second. If we have that in the forefront of our minds, it's going to be a little bit easy. I'm not saying dealing with church hurt is easy. I hope you hear my tone in this. I'm not saying church hurt is easy, but it's going to be a little bit easier to deal with those difficulties in the church body when we know that people are lost and going to a place called hell. If we don't share the message of Jesus and the message of salvation with them. Embrace the greater purpose of the church. How do we continue to love the church when it hurts? My third point is simply this, that to recognize that you need the church. You need the church and the church needs you. Can we get a, a round of amen here this morning? Recognize that you need the church and the church needs you. I want to share a brief story of, of my story, brief part of my testimony. I know, Gracers, you've probably heard this before, so you can tune out for a second. No, I don't want you to do that. But uh, I was introduced to uh, the gospel message of Jesus, the true message of salvation through a church called uh, First Baptist Church of Glen Arden. Amazing, amazing church. My wife and my mother-in-law are smiling because they know that church. Um, that is my sister-in-law's church. Um, Heather has a twin sister, if you didn't know that. And yes, you are identical. Don't fight me on it. But we had been following her sister and their gospel group for quite a long time. She sings in a gospel group that's won all kinds of awards, and God's done amazing things with them. And we've been following their group for a long time, and it, it just so happened they would always sing at these great churches that would preach the gospel every time they would sing. And man, I started to 
really embrace what was going on in my life. And I had grown up Catholic, um, so I knew uh, religion, but I didn't really know what it meant to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I had been experienced and uh, open to the the true gospel at this church, First Baptist Church of Glen Arden. This church is just outside of D.C., down in Maryland. Um, and it's about an hour and a half, maybe two-hour trip almost, around about two-hour trip from here in Logan down to First Baptist Church of Glen Arden. I happened to, uh, one January morning or one weekend, I happened to be in D.C. at some kind of conference or something else. And I uh, called up my sister-in-law. I texted her. I said, hey, are you going to church tomorrow? I'm only like 20 minutes from you. I want to come and participate and, and you know, go with you to church. Um, and she was like, no, I don't want you to do that. No, of course not. Like, she was like, yeah, that's awesome. Um, so I made that decision that morning. I'm going to drive about 20 minutes or so to the First Baptist Church of Glen Arden. And I had already decided in my heart what I was going to do that day. I was going to go up for the altar call. Uh, there at the end of service, and God had been continually working on my heart and making me realize that that my works were were not good enough for salvation, um, and, and just showing me that the only way I can get to heaven is by faith in in Christ. That that being the good guy, I was known as the good guy growing up. Being the the good guy and trying to get everything right wasn't going to cut it, but that I needed Jesus. Amen. I needed Jesus and his sacrifice for my life. So I go to church. I meet my sister-in-law. We sit down. Uh, and this is a large church. There were probably over a 1,000 people there at that service. Uh, and I'm sitting with her, and Pastor John Jenkins is preaching. And I'm feeling convicted, and I know what I need to do. I need to surrender everything to Jesus. And the altar call comes at the end of service, and he asks people to come forward if, if you don't know where you are in your relationship with Jesus. And I, I, I lean over to my uh, sister-in-law, Nicole. I say, she was sitting on the end. I said, hey, Nick, can you scoot over? And she leans over and she goes, we can't leave during this part of the service. <laughs> she says, this is the most important part. We can't leave right now. I said, Nick, I want to walk to the front. <laughs> she said, oh, oh, yes, yes. Yes! She gets up out of my way, and I walk to the front, and I pray and receive salvation from the Lord. And it's an incredible moment. And very quickly, at the end of service, uh, Pastor John Jenkins loves to take the time to meet anyone who has uh, given their life to Jesus that service. And I get in line, and there was quite a few people who had received uh, Jesus that day, and I'm waiting, and I'm like, man, I'm so excited, and never been involved in a church, and I want to get involved in this church. This church is amazing. The music's great. The preaching's amazing. Like, this is awesome. I meet with the pastor, and say, yeah, I want to, yeah, I've received Jesus. I want to, I want to become a member of First Baptist Church of Glen Arden. I want to be a member. Like, those are the conversations you want to have, right? Like, the same day, amen, member, Yes. That's like a home run for the pastor. You know what Pastor John Jenkins told me? It wouldn't be wise to be a member of this church. He said, you need to find a local church. 
said, you need to find a local church where you can be nourished, where you can be in community with other believers. And don't you know at that same exact time, y'all, I'm talking same exact time, God planted a church called Grace Church down the street from my house. God is good, amen. But I tell you that because Pastor John Jenkins knew that I needed the church. Not the church building, but the people of God who make up the local church. And Pastor John Jenkins knew, and he loved me so much, and his wisdom was so great. He knew that if I became a member of First Baptist Church in Glen Arden two hours away, that I was not going to get the community that I needed to grow in my faith in Jesus. I'm here to tell you this morning that you need to recognize that you need the church. If you've confessed your life and surrendered your life to Jesus, you need brothers and sisters to walk alongside you, to walk through the valleys of life, to celebrate on the mountaintops of life. You need brothers and sisters to walk beside you. If we are to look more and more like Jesus, right? That is the end goal of the Christian life, amen? If we are to look more and more like Jesus, this, pro- this process that the church calls sanctification, big fancy word, but if we are to be sanctified and look more like Jesus, it doesn't happen by yourself. It's God's work in you, the Holy Spirit in you, but it's the church beside you. Recognize that you need the church. You're part of his body. You can't survive outside of connection to the body. Has anyone tried to, I'm not, you ever tried to take a hand off, right? See if that hand, it ain't gonna work. You need to be connected to the body, and the church needs you. I want to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we'll finish up here this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it talks about the body. It talks about the members of the body, how they're interconnected, how God uses them all together. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 through 27 says this, For just as... The body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. It says, for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Verse 14 it says, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. One member, not of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, I love scripture. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, 
I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Verse 16, it says, and if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. Because I'm not this particular thing, I'm not a part of the body. Y'all with me? Where was I? I'm so glad my wife's in the front row. 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body. Y'all highlight that, underline it, tweet it, put it up on Facebook. God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. I'm going to skip the rest of that there here this morning just to finish up. But recognize that you need the church. You need to be a part of the body. Man, I know church It's hard. It's hard. Nobody told me that before I got in the ministry. It's hard. Sorry, Chad. You just jumped in, buddy. Church is hard. Church is made up of imperfect people. Imperfect people who at times allow their flesh to win over their spirit. And who at times will will hurt you. Who at times, maybe unknowingly, will hurt you. And I want to tell you one thing. You also, as a member of the body, will unknowingly sometimes hurt other people. Your pastor, Pastor Jimmy, as amazing as he is, will unknowingly at times hurt people. Me, myself will unknowingly at times hurt people. But we can't be disconnected from the body. We need the body and the church. Again, you need to recognize that you need the church and the church needs you. What, what often happens in situations of church hurt is that we, again, as humans, we associate that pain with one thing. Amen? Sometimes if we maybe burn ourselves on the oven as a kid, we associate that pain. There's a funny story with that. I won't go there. But we associate that pain of getting burnt on the oven with, I ain't ever going to cook again. I ain't going in that kitchen. Like, I'm not, there's no way. And we have the tendency to, to overanalyze, amen, and associate that thing for the rest of our lives. And that happens in the church as well. I'm here to encourage you that, listen, I want to tell you that your church hurt is real. I want to say that first off, that your church hurt is real. The pain is real. But don't throw out the church. Don't throw out the body of Christ because of that experience. Here's why, because the church needs you. The church needs you, just as it said in 1 Corinthians, there are member, many members of the body, not just one. 
Listen, when, when we experience church hurt and then we leave and we isolate ourselves, the church hurts because you're not there. You're a vital part of that body. You bring experiences, you bring wisdom, you bring gifts, you bring talents, you bring all sorts of things to the church body. And when you remove yourself, you say, oh, you know what? They're gonna be fine without me. No, they're not. The church hurts when you're not there. So how do we... Continue to love the church when it hurts. I think focusing on these few things. Church, we need to work through these things, amen? We can't isolate ourselves and think that it's just going to be me, God, and John Piper podcasts. You can laugh. That's not the church. We have to be vulnerable and allow ourselves to be part of the body of Christ. That Christ died for. Gave his life for. Let's pray here this morning. Father God, Lord, we thank you. We praise you. God, we thank you for your church. We thank you for our brothers and sisters in Christ who come alongside of us. God, we thank you that you have chosen us imperfect people to be the vessel of how your message is to go out, to be the vessel of how the world is to come to know you. Father, I pray as we deal with these difficult circumstances in our lives, these, these, these pain, these hurts that we've experienced from, from fellow believers in Christ, God, that you'd not let us lose sight of the big picture. God, that we are a vital part of the body, that we need the body, that the body needs us, and that we are here for a greater purpose. That is to share the love and the message of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray this message will just sink deep into our hearts here this week. God, if there's somebody who's hurting, if there's somebody who's isolated themselves for some time from the church body. God, I pray that you would slowly just start to bring them back into the fold. God, I pray that you would start to heal the hurting that is on their hearts. Let them know that they need the church. Let them know that they need their brothers and sisters in Christ to walk beside day by day. Father, I love you. I love your son, Jesus. God, I thank you that you loved us so much that you sent him to be a sacrifice for our sin. God, something that we were not deserving of. We thank you for your grace, for your mercy, for the gift of salvation, the free gift that by simply calling on your name, on the son of Jesus Christ, that we can be saved. God, I thank you and I praise you for how you're gonna continue to work not just in this body called grace, but in the body called Crossbridge. God, let us be a light in South Jersey. We love you, we praise you, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Dave, thanks for that. And um, you know, it's funny as mouthpieces for a church, when you're a pastor, that's kind of the body part that they give us, your mouthpiece. We say things that hurt sometimes. 
Sometimes that's good, other times it's not. But it never feels good when you get punched in the mouth or kicked in the teeth for saying things that are tough. And so we can all misuse our parts that we've been given. And so, you know, if there's ways that we have misused our gifts, we do ask for your forgiveness. We are sorry. It's never our intention. But I so appreciate the transparency of saying we are sinful people, too, in desperate need of Jesus. And I know you would agree as much as I would that I would want to dedicate nothing, dedicate myself to nothing more than the bride of Christ and seeing his church change the world. And we get to do it together. So I do want to thank you so much from, you know, both Grace's side, Crossbridge's side. My favorite thing about the last couple of weeks is when we did this a couple months ago, Grace, you sat on one side and Crossbridge sat on the other. And now everybody's sitting together. You don't know who's who. And that's the church. We need each other together as churches. I'm so grateful that there's no such thing as competition or, you know, playing fair. It's we love Jesus. We get to do this together. So from Crossbridge's side, Grace, thank you so much for loving Jesus, inviting us into your building to worship alongside and with you a king that wants to change this area. And as we, we close out this series, uh, Crossbridge, I want to remind you next week, we will be back at Classy Cow at 10 a.m. And so, you know, you, if you show up at 1030 or your normal time for here, which is 1040, um, you know, you'll be you'll be super late. So do me a favor, make sure you RSVP for that. Um, um, actually, we're talking about all the guidelines since everything's changed now. Everything's changed. So, you know, Grace, look for guidelines for you. Crossbridge, look for guidelines for us as as we do that. And if you want to continue to give to the ministry of Grace, of Crossbridge, we want to encourage you to continue in your faithful giving. And, and Grace, right in the back by Pastor Dave's office is a slot you can give right there if it's in person. Again, online through the website, through Facebook, and all the ways that you could do that. And at Crossbridge, same thing. Continue to jump online. And thank you so much for, for giving faithfully. And, you know, again, like always, thanks for your feedback on this and, and two churches, two communities coming together to be one church for a time and then to break and continue to do ministry. I just love this. It's so much fun. And so thanks for doing this together. And, and I was thinking as to close us out. And this is a morbid thought, but I'm going to go with it anyway. You're all going to die and so am I. What's left of grace and Crossbridge when it's over? Can I tell you what's left? If you go to the next chapter from where Pastor Dave was in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, it says three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. What a legacy we get to be a part of, of loving each other, loving our community. And when we pass away, love still remains. Church, let's go love people. And the very place that they've experienced hurt will be the very place they experience love. Amen? Thank you so much for joining us. We love you. And, um, you know, hey, share this online and make sure people know there's a place for them to find healing. God bless everybody. Enjoy your weekend. Hey, thanks so much for joining us through this series, When Church Hurts. I really pray it's been an encouragement to you. I hope you've been challenged, amen, but I also hope you've found some encouragement through our scriptures and through our uh, sermons these past four weeks. 
But next week, we are back, right? We are. We want to let you know next week we will be moving back to the places where you normally worship. So Grace, you'll be right here at 1030 for your service. And Crossbridge, we will be back over at the Classy Cow at 10 a.m. for our services. Make sure you RSVP to both of them. And I just want to say thank you so much to both Crossbridge and to Grace for the beauty it was to come together as one church to find healing and to hear teaching you know, through scripture that was a blessing to all of us. Churches, we love you and we love that we get to do this together. May God bless you. We'll see you next week. God bless.